0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, in this episode, Caitlin speaks with Peter Gennari, the owner of Clipper Coffee right here on City Island, uh, and he talks a lot about how he left his job on Wall Street to open a little coffee shop here on City Island. Um, I love Clipper Coffee. I go to Clipper Coffee almost every single morning to get a coffee. You know, sometimes twice a day. It's uh, it's a great staple here in the community, and you know, Pete had you know quite a journey to get here and you know I am really looking forward to you hearing his story.
1: Hi, my name is Caitlin Spillane and I'm sitting here today with Peter Gennari, the owner of Clipper Coffee. How are you doing today?
2: Great, great.
1: Thanks Thank for, you for being here. Yeah, Thank you for finally. taking the time. Oh, to start, I would love to hear more about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school, um, and what your career path was before we got here today.
2: Yeah. Um, sorry, I won't go too far back, but I, I grew up in, um, I'm a local guy, I guess. I grew up in Long Island, New York. Uh, went to school there, um, and then I uh, went. ended up in college. I went to Iona College, right up the street here in New Rochelle, yeah. and um, graduated there. And then I moved to Manhattan Island, and now I live on City Island. So kind of an island guy, um, ran that path. And, um, you know, before I, I got out of Iona, I was able to get a job on Wall Street. I worked at Prudential Equity Group. Yeah. Uh, I got an assistant job there. And I, uh, that was on the Institutional Equity Research Sales Desk, which is a lot. But um, it was a lot of fun. You had to be a jack of all trades. You learned a lot. So it was fun. And then um, through that, I, I moved up the ranks in Wall Street and became a, you know, senior VP at different uh, Wall Street firms selling institutional equity research products. <laughs> so. Sounds
1: riveting. Oh,
2: it's very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. Yes. We
1: have a similar path. I also did the island hopping. I went from Long Island to Manhattan Island to New Rochelle and then back to City Island. So ah, we swapped two spots. Yeah, there. I, I,
2: we probably passed each other a few times on the street <laughs> there.
1: <laughs> so. How long did you work on Wall Street for?
2: I was there uh, 16 years. I was there so at a few different firms uh, Prudential was uh, I was there for seven years I ended up at UBS and then Lazard Frères for a little while uh, Guggenheim Securities was another one and then I ended up at a small healthcare boutique Brookline was the last job when I realized I should make a change in my life I guess I was there
1: Nice Wall Street what made you decide that it was time for a lifestyle change
2: well I think you know and and owning my own business it's it's always there and what's funny about Wall Street is A lot of guys, all the guys work in there and you spend hours upon hours researching different companies, talking to management, just being in the numbers of of different companies and and really, what I did in equity research, I was a jack of all trades, I looked at companies in all different industries and what's always in there is you have this strange little desire like well, I'd like to run my own company one day. I, I why, why can't I do that? So there's always this, I don't want to say jealousy, but there's this, that you 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 see other guys doing it and you're like, wait, I'm researching this and it's nice that I, I'm i like a critic of a movie, but I'm not making the movie. So all guys, on, well, a lot of guys on Wall Street, I should say, they all like really desire to, to, they want to run their own business at some point. So I always had that desire through this, through the whole 16 years that I worked on Wall Street, which was, to, to kind of break out on my own and do something on my own. Mm-hmm. What the big transition was, and I think it, what happened, is like you just get hit in the face with so many different things, which was um, a couple of the firms I worked at went out of business, the ones where I was successful. So I ended up, towards the end of my career, you end up hopping around a little bit and you're like, all right, let's try to find a place and. You are restarting yourself everywhere you go. That was kind of what I did. Um, go into a place with no, no customers, no clients, and build a base from zero again. And after a while, like, it's kind of tiring as you start getting older and you start looking around and you're one of the older guys in the room. Um, but a lot of the, the main transition that I had was that I, I got sick. So I got cancer um, while I was there. And, I, and you know maybe it's like a midlife crisis type of thing that you sit there and you go, listen, do I wanna, if I die, do I want to be remembered as a mediocre institutional equity research salesperson? Is that what I want on my tombstone? And I said, no, I didn't. So, I mean, I had that situation going on. Also, my, my, third, uh, my third child was born, uh, Joseph. He was born. He was special needs, so I wanted to be around more. I wanted to be closer to home as well and make that. So there was all these factors that were coming up, like, Peter, you're getting old in the business. A lot of younger guys who are working later hours. I'm running home to take care of kids, and they're staying in the office, which mm-hmm. I couldn't do anymore. Um, I got cancer, which was a, um, nothing terrible, but it's kind of like an a eye-opening. Open, eye opening, yeah, wakes you up to like, whoa, life is short. You only get one shot, so you better do what you want to do in life. Um, and then my son getting uh, being born uh, handicapped. So it's just all those factors came together, and I said, listen, i got to make a change, and uh, let's – if we're going to make a change, we might as well do something that I really like doing. So I ended up sitting down with, you know, different friends, really a couple of friends. And they're like, well, what do you like mm-hmm. doing? And I go, I have no idea. I have, um, what are some of the things you like? And I said, well, I, I like sitting at a coffee shop, looking out a window, having a coffee, watching the world go by, you know, that's, or reading a book or, We're just hanging out. I like that uh, culture, that cafe culture, and that atmosphere. And my friend was like, well, can you make money with that? And I go, I have no idea if I can. Um, And then I started researching it. And here we are today. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's really, really cool. How long, would you say, did it take the time period between you deciding to make that jump to the start of opening Clipper Coffee?
2: So, um, it's a hard question to answer because, like, when you, like, the, the business starts opening and it starts to kind of, you kind of bumble around a little mm-hmm. bit trying to find your way. Yeah. Um, so, I was working at the last firm for about almost a year, I would say. And that whole time, I mean, I was just kind of killing time. I was trying to, I was planning out what I was going to do here. I had actually almost started a business. Believe it or not, I bought a donut machine. So oh, I was going to go goodness. into the donut business and this was, I was out of work. I was in between firms. This is before the um, Brookline. Um, I was out of work and I said, well, let, let's start our own business. Right. And not, I just jumped into it and not really thinking it out, not really planning anything. Yep. I buy this donut machine from little orbits out in the Midwest. And I go, this is just the coolest thing. I'm going to go to New York street fairs and make these donuts and I'm going to sell millions and I'm going to be a millionaire. And, um, So I buy this machine. I get all the equipment. I have no idea how it works because I did zero research on it. I did zero planning on it. And I get a call from an old colleague, an old uh, boss, and he says, why don't you come in for an interview at a firm? And I said, okay. So I interviewed with him. And as I'm leaving, I walk through a New York street fair. I'm like, well, I better – see a New York street fair again and see, you know, what, what's going on. Cause I'm going to be here every day all, all summer long. Mm-hmm. And there it was the donut machine and some guy doing the business. Oh my gosh. So I, I mentioned that story because it's like, I didn't plan anything. Mm-hmm. I had spent probably close to 10 grand on this business that I didn't think out at all. Mm-hmm. It was just very like, Oh, I'm going to do it. And of course, you know, Yep without researching it, without going to a lot of New York street fairs, and seeing that this guy was already doing it. So, I was like, well, that's not going to (laughs) work. So, I went to work at another Wall Street firm, and...
1: um, So, you left, tried out the donut business, attempted, never,
2: Yeah, never made a donut for sale.
1: (laughs) And then you went back to Wall Street. And then I was
2: like, "Uh uh-oh, I have to uh, work, because I have three kids. (laughs) So, um, I was... Yeah. So the donut machine sat, we, we tested it out once and, um, the donuts and it has nothing little orbits is a great, the donuts are great. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing Mm -hmm. and they tasted awful. And I think I might've poisoned myself because I didn't rip (laughs) off all the plastic (laughs) sheets. So I think I boiled my donuts with the plastic (laughs) in them. And, uh, no, was they were, I was like, these donuts don't taste good. What am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing. And there was gas involved and there was a lot of things. I said, I, so, you know, that's jumping in when you, without planning. So I said, all right, let me take a step back and this is not going to work. Um, so I planned for a year while at this other firm, which probably wasn't the best thing, but it was a commission only job. So I was like, well, if I can make some money, you know, right. bringing in sales, yep. that's great. Um, but that didn't happen. Uh, sales weren't coming in for mm-hmm. me and, and no, nothing against the firm. They do great, but what I was hired for, what they weren't ready. Uh, we weren't ready for that yet. Yep. So I was sort of early in this, um, for them. And, uh, so I had a lot of time to plan mm-hmm. and a lot of time to meet with people and to think this out. And yeah. so I started looking for real estate on city Island. I was living here. I wanted to be close by home for my son and for family too, my, my other children and, um, I couldn't find any storefronts that would rent to me. Though I looked and um, I was looking for a, almost six months, seven months, couldn't find a spot. So I decided to, uh, well, I was gonna buy a coffee truck that I had seen in Europe. I had seen these Vespa Apes yep. with espresso machines on the back and guys standing in parking lots uh, making espressos for lines of people, right? and I said, Another genius idea. Would you still have? I still right? have. Yes, it has changed. That business has changed because once again, not the well, most thought out, though yeah. not bad. It, um, it actually worked out great because I ordered the truck and we were sh- just starting to outfit it, and that was going to take three to four months to to change this. We ordered, I should say, we ordered. Um, I ordered a tuk tuk. Which is normally a taxi in Southeast Asia, from a company. It's 100% electric, called E-Tuck, out in Colorado. So they had it; they have it made. They ship there. So what they do is they build out whatever you want in it, Um, and I wanted a coffee truck. So
0: that's Um, amazing.
2: So we did that, and it looks great, and it's a lot of fun, and uh, it goes 15 miles an hour on the roads, which is. dangerous, but
1: <laughs> great for parties though, right? Great
2: for parties, great for events. Um, and actually worked out great here because, well, I ordered the, the, the truck and probably a month into the build out, I get a call that there's a real, you know, this building where we are now was yeah. purchased. Uh, and someone was looking for, uh, they were looking for a bakery, but they didn't know what they, they wanted a bakery. They didn't know they wanted a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, so things kind of line up. I came here and I said, well, uh, they said, well, the landlord says he wants a bakery here. And I had talked to um, an architect and some other people and they said, you know, bakeries everywhere are going out of business. That is a terrible idea to open a bakery. Wow. You're going to be multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars in a build out of a, of a bakery and you won't even sell a piece of bread yet. So if you want to go bankrupt, open a bakery. I said, okay, well, but the landlord wanted a bakery. So I said, hey, look, I have a donut machine I still had it in a closet. And I said, Well, see, I can, I'm going to bake. I'm going to make these donuts mm-hmm. with this machine. So it
1: came in handy. So it came in handy. It came, <laughs> you
2: know, you never, every, I guess everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, so I had a donut machine. And he goes, Great, we're going to have a bakery. And I proceeded to build a coffee shop inside. And, you know, every time the landlord asked, Where are the ovens? I said, They're coming. Don't worry. <laughs> They're coming. I That's said, He just amazing. didn't know he wanted that. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I love and that. We built it up,
1: And I will say, I mean, I think there's a Dunkin', right? All the way at the end yeah. of the island. But this is like a hot commodity. There weren't coffee shops really, right? Yeah, and,
2: from- and I think that's where there was a little more planning went into it. At least an hour more planning than the donut business went into it. There was a little bit more. Um, I moved here, and I've lived here uh, about seven years. I moved here, and you know, I wondered... Um, Girlfriend lived here, and I said, "Well, where can we go to sit and hang out?" I yeah, was, had exactly. lived in Manhattan, yes. yeah, where there's tons of places, yes. and you, every corner has a a Starbucks, a Gregory's, or or any or a ton of independent guys. Just and and that's kind of like a great little hangout where you can go and sit. And that's what I did. That's what I enjoyed. I told my friends, "I my friends, I enjoyed That's what I enjoyed doing. So I came here, and there was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're here in City Island. Um, what I did notice about, and the research I did do was, it's a very, it's a small community, it's mm-hmm. a very, I feel, close-knit uh, yes. community, uh, everyone seems to know each other, everyone wants to interact with each other, but they had nowhere to do that, um, There there's a few bars and stuff, but I said, well, beyond like a few bars, and um, you know, restaurants and a diner, which are great, uh, but those ha- those businesses turn tables. Mm-hmm. Um, people can't sit, people can't work, uh, open up a laptop and do whatever they have to do, uh, which was something I just had gotten used to in living in Manhattan or w- yeah. had populated all of Brooklyn and was growing in Queens and all these other places. I said, well, I think it would work here. Yeah. What's interesting is c- um, City Island is a historic area, so they have uh, non-franchise rules, Except for the Dunkin' except for that one the group one, of stores. Oh my goodness. Yes, where Dunkin' Donuts is, which is fine. And I think, you know, Dunkin' Donuts serves a purpose too. I think we have a very different model from Dunkin' Business Model, and I wanted to be a little different. Oh, yeah. Um, but I said, you know, City Island needs a place where people can gather um, and sit and chat with each other and meet each other. And I think that would kind of work uh, yeah. here.
1: Well, that's how I feel now too. Like there are big Starbucks in the city where you can sit down and the Duncans, but they feel much more like you're trying to get in and you're trying to get out. Yeah. And that, I would say the culture that you described that you wanted to build, that you have, because every time you walk in here, there's tons of people sitting around. And I love the slogan on your website. It's it's don't bother calling, just come in or something like yeah. that. Right. Yes. <laughs> there's, or just there's walk a... in. Yeah. But I'm like, I love that because it really is like every time you walk in here, there's always people sitting outside on the sidewalk, hanging out and the guys that come in and meet up every day. Yeah. And like, yeah. you really feel that. And as someone who just moved here, like it's a great way to also meet people you yeah. know, and really get to know your community. So,
2: and, it, and it's a, and it's a great thing. Like I I've seen people meet here and date, and go on, which is great. That's
1: amazing. I
2: think, um, you know, City Island tends to skew uh, demographically older. And I think one of the things older people need is interaction with each other mm-hmm. to to benefit their health. Um, so I'm glad we were able to do that too. And I think that's a positive. And, and it's great. I, I love seeing the older crowd mix with the younger crowd mm-hmm. and everyone kind of
0: yeah.
2: getting along and, and everyone talking about all different topics. Yeah. And uh, one, one recent customer... And, I, I, and it's a wonderful compliment. Um, he said he didn't come one day because he only had a few minutes. And he's like, I didn't want to come in and just grab a coffee and leave. He said, because this is a place where you end up staying two, three hours because you meet this person and then you meet someone else and then you meet your neighbor. And we've had people say that as well. Another woman said, you know, I never knew my neighbor until I met them here. Yeah. And, you know, it was always just high and bye uh, while they ran into their homes. Now here they meet. And they interact. They find out they like each other, you know. So they can <laughs> figure
1: that's things. That's amazing. Out.
2: Yeah. So I, it's. I think people naturally need to interact with other people. Yeah. And and it's great to see, you yeah. know. That's and it just builds. If people are in, you know, I guess we've become a culture, uh, and this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but a culture where we're all behind keyboards yeah. and insulting each other or whatever. You can't do that. You have when you know the coffee shop. Uh, I keep it as a neutral space, and because then you can have all different people can come here, talk out issues or differences of opinions, and they can come here and meet and talk it out. And yeah. what you end up finding is that um, people leave getting along with each other yeah. much more than if they sit on Facebook and say nasty right. things about oh, yeah. each other. So
1: completely, I love that. So we're excited. That's very nice, cool. Nice Did you have any mentors that you looked to for advice or anyone that helped, I guess, coach you through the process of getting started? Um, I
2: think through life there's just a lot of different people that come in and out at certain times that help you. Um, If it's different uh, managers I had. in, in business, uh, my first sales manager, when I became a, a senior salesperson, Tom Buttinger, he could, and he was a stock guy, he could sell ice to Eskimos mm-hmm. and he had that rhythm of sales. And um, so I, And a great way to manage. I'd always Mm -hmm. say, like, I I got spoiled on my first manager because he was my best manager. Um, But other managers down the road and how you it comes important when you're managing employees and trying to deal uh, with different people. But I think throughout, uh, there's just been so many. Uh, My parents have been a huge uh, influence. Obviously, my father has a, a fantastic work ethic that has just, you know, I think trickle down to me as well. I like to think that uh you know, very focused on on yeah. his work. So I kind of highlight uh them as well.
1: Collecting advice along the way.
2: Yeah, and I you know, and it's friends and it's family and it's just little pieces from from each person, I guess. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know if there's been one major person uh that's kind of uh ushered me through, but it's just just talking to as many people as I can and um Taking little bits of advice from each person.
1: And, yeah, for sure. And,
2: and little little gems from everyone. Yep. What works and forget the rest, what doesn't work, you know.
1: <laughs> were once Clipper was up and running, what were some of your initial challenges? Like we talked about, I guess, the challenges that you came across trying to land on, okay, I'm gonna open Clipper Coffee yeah. on City Island. Once the doors opened and customers started coming in, like, yeah. was there anything that you kind of, scenarios that you, where you ran into, you're like, oh, I have to figure this out. Or you had to like think quick on your yeah, feet. You
2: know? I always joke about this and, and, and it's a good and a bad thing, but city Island is 1989. <laughs> it really is. So you-
0: this episode of the Bronx attorney broadcast was brought to you by me, Will Ferrero. Uh, I'm an attorney of prior law right here in the Bronx and we primarily practice in personal injury. However, we do also do a a variety of areas of practice. So I can help you with just about any sort of legal issue that you might have. I'm admitted to practice both in New York and New Jersey. And if it's not something that I can personally help you with, I can connect you with someone in my network of attorneys who is best equipped to help you with your legal issue. You can find me on Instagram, and on Twitter, at Bronx Attorney. You can send me an email, Ferrero at Prior Law, or call me at the office, 718 829 0222. And now back to the show
1: that is such a good way to describe that. Cause sometimes I try to describe city Island to people and I'm like, I can't explain it, but that is a really,
2: I don't know. You know, you like, you look at that and you're like,
1: Oh, Oh, and and once you say that in your head, it's like, Oh, it's 1989.
2: Everyone goes, Oh yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. You know, VHS (laughs) is still, you know, winning and you know, of course. Uh, so once you go through those, so like things I never thought of, like living in Manhattan, um, well, there's a problem when I moved here was I moved from Manhattan here. Well, in Manhattan, you never carried cash. City Island, no one t- took credit cards. Yeah. And this was bizarre to me. I was like, oh, I don't have any cash. And there's only one ATM on the island. So, um, you know, so some of that small town, you just had to get used to it coming from, from Manhattan here. Um, I think we had the, you know, we opened the business, um, and I like to think we're third wave coffee. Um, which I don't think anyone here had ever heard of.
1: What is, I don't even know if I know what that means. Oh, so,
2: well, you know, not to give you the the, the long hit, but there's first wave coffee, which is sort of like, was like the diner coffee. It was coffee you'd get wherever, and it was um, yeah. back in the day. Then second wave coffee is really Starbucks, who everyone who has an independent coffee shop should thank Starbucks because, A, they... they raised the quality of coffee so much. Mm -hmm. They were able to raise the prices a little bit too, Mm -hmm. but also got people really into coffee, but also into that, you know, the latte, cappuccinos, which you never ordered, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think having them here, I had a lot of people ask me, what is a latte? um that's what amazing what are oh these what is a macchiato uh we still get questions about a misto or a cafe au lait so it's like okay, you just have to and then we throw in we pepper in ones that no one's ever like a flat white which is an australian and it comes out of australia or we tried the piccolo which wasn't didn't fly very that's another australian uh that's which so is basically funny. a mini lot they're all different takes on lattes mm-hmm. you know milk to Espresso ratio,
1: trial and error.
2: Yeah, so right. you see what kind of works um, yeah. and what doesn't. But there was an education on coffee. There was an education on um, anything beyond a drip coffee, uh, what we were drinking, or, or a basic espresso, like what all the different things you could do with that. Um, I think people here were like, I don't, you know, just not custom to that being available yeah. here, uh, yeah. as well. We brought the, I like, I believe the first avocado toast to the Bronx, which is um, delicious. Oh, yes. thank you. And it was like, and that just being in Manhattan and yeah. seeing that and, you know, seeing what everyone was eating for brunch and you're mm-hmm. like, this avocado toast, we can do it and we can figure it out. Um, yeah, but yeah. that was a bizarre thing. People, you know, didn't have that in the Bronx. I think we, we had people, yeah. Come from other sides of the, uh, the, you know, the west coast of the Bronx yep. to try our avocado toast, which I don't think yeah. they could get. So there was an education on some of those things as well, um, which were hard. And then just also, you know, a small community, uh, a very small tight knit community. And mm-hmm. I was sort of an outsider coming in. I had lived here for a few years, but I hadn't really interacted with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I had worked in the city and come home at night, like a lot, like a commuter yeah. town that it is. And here I was opening a business in the middle that maybe the close knit community thought was trying to take business away from other businesses. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but after a little while they see that it just adds to the, to the ambiance of the town, adds to the flavor of the town, the character of the town and just builds, these are, these things build great communities. I think. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I know we talked about how, you know, maybe you've gathered skills and advice from past colleagues, bosses, and so on, um, were you able to apply that, and was that helpful when you realized that you needed to build a team and hire other employees to help you? Like, what was that process like? Yeah,
2: I think, um, well, the team building was sort of like whoever could work. Whoever's around. Yeah, who's around? Like, is it, do you want to, I think that my first employee walked, walked in, and I had been doing this all by myself for, Six months, almost okay. eight, nine. Oh, That's a long time. A long time, yeah. Seven days a week. That's something you don't realize when you open your own business is how much you you. It's flexible in a lot of ways, yeah. but then you don't realize like, oh no, this is you're you're on twenty four seven. Yeah. Um, doing this. So I think he walked in and was like, "Do you need help?" And I said, "Yes." And he's like. When can I work? And I said, tomorrow. <laughs> so I think the training was 30 minutes. Yeah. And then I said, okay, you, you, go. you got it. You got you it. Know, you'll figure it out. Don't worry. And what's nice is here, at least in City Island, you know, everyone's very friendly. So everyone, like anyone who worked here, even if they had no clue what was going on, nobody here was getting mad or right. anything. They said, okay, you're new. We're going to figure this out. Yep. We'll all figure it out together. Yep, yep. And we'll get coffee we'll have a nice latte, you know? So everyone understood that these people were learning and the young kids were learning. Um, but you know, things I learned from other bosses, you know, you try to like apply it to managing people. I think that's a very much more difficult than I ever thought. Mm -hmm. And I had always been like, Oh, it's easy. Um, and it's not like managing different personalities and managing employees with each other. Um, you know, get everyone getting along, Mm -hmm. but also just, you know, um, Having people train and to do the best job and getting the best out of people um, is harder than I thought yeah but it but but I think I learned some of those skills from management and also just you know what Wall Street teaches you is to work you know you work hard and you do get benefits from that yeah um, and people on Wall Street work very hard a lot of hours they put a lot of time in a lot of effort and you continue to learn as you go so you hope that every day you get a little bit better mm-hmm. I think that's something. Uh, Wall Street taught me, and then you just keep going and, yeah, you know, keep
1: is there anything away. about Wall Street that you miss, or are you truly happy where well, where you are now and how everything oh i'm happy
2: out. now, yeah, yeah, no i you miss it it's always funny because you nostalgia is a funny thing you um what did I read? The salvages your memories without anxiety. That's what it is. I forget who said it, but um, that is
1: good. That's so true. Yeah, you
2: remember and You go, oh, how, what great times they yes. were. But you know, I forget the times when I had a call a guy, telling him how many millions I had lost him uh, in a few hours. Right. So you forget. Um, but when I was young and it was fun, and you you miss that uh, interaction with all different types of people. But. What's interesting is you miss that, but that's also what makes this successful here. Wall Street, you had to deal with all types of people from all sections of life, rich, poor, all over, um, Mm -hmm. different personalities. um, And you had to interact with those people and get along and figure things out together and work together. Um, And I thought, one thing when I was there, I was like, I think I could talk to almost anybody. Mm -hmm. I could, anyone who comes in, I could have a conversation with them about something. Yeah. And... And we could be friendly together. Right. And uh, I got that in Wall Street and now I applied those to here.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so anyone who comes in, you know, maybe I talk too much. Some people say I talk too much to the customers. I'm like, you know, <laughs> slowing up the line here. Keep moving. But I think some people come in for that too. Yes. They love that interaction. They 100%. like, the, you yep. know, come here and it's a friendly place. We're like the cheers of coffee, I guess, you know. Everyone yes. knows your name. So yes. We That's try. amazing. We try. So.
1: Um, Could you talk a little bit about how you've worked with other local businesses? I know on the website you've worked with other local artists, the shop next door, and like Mm -hmm. what those collaborations have been like, and how it's maybe given this business a boost.
2: Yeah, Um, we always try to, there's no real, I, I feel like, you can't go solo in a small town small Mm -hmm. community like this um, where we don't have a ton of volume so we have to figure it out all together so what can we do let's do events let's collaborate together I think with coffee almost uh, Almost anything goes with it, I, well, I think.
1: Right, so, uh, that's you know. so true.
2: So we've done, like, um, we have a local guy who runs a poetry night here, and people come and can read poetry. We do a lot with the other galleries. You know, City Island is a, a, a big art scene, a lot of artists here. So I love bringing in, like, local artists. We've done that for a while. Um, we've worked with other galleries, too, to kind of display their work, to sell their work. Yeah. It also gets the walls making some money every now and then uh, as well. So, um, yeah, exchanging things to put things on display here so people can see them maybe from other businesses and some of the things where we've been most successful um is when we all get together and everyone invites their group of followers if it's for coffee if it's for art if it's for poetry and books Mm -hmm. um invite them out to an event and we kind of like all open the streets up and we have everyone out we did a great um art event uh last october when, when COVID had kind of calmed down for a, a quick second, um, we had the art of uh, Catherine Arducci, the actress here, and she had invited her network of people, mm-hmm. uh, and Mary Colby next door, she opened her doors and had different artists there, and the, the other gallery on the corner was open, and some of the antique stores came out with their things, um, so it was just... Inviting everyone out and getting everyone in the street and, and interacting and walking between the stores. And we gave away, I think, 100 free cannolis, which I think maybe that's why people came, but, um, but it was just fun. And what I noticed was when we had people here, the restaurants across the street were packed, had lines yeah. out the door art was being sold i was selling coffee we were giving away cannolis yeah uh, like it was going out of style um and everyone just came out and said you know that was one of the that was some great that was one of the greatest events we've had in years here um on city island and maybe a little covid (laughs) helped too because everyone just wanted to get out right right and And especially
1: being home and now you can come hang out here and it's just like so nice to just be with the community like we were saying before you know yeah see people
2: you haven't seen in a long time and Yep. and I think it's just important for for mental health that people interact with each other and, and yeah. be together I think as, as humans we want that yes for we, sure we, we want that yeah
1: um, I I know we talked about how we're living in 1989 still and no one really knew what lattes I mean the best way possible well, right yes, yes no I totally agree mm-hmm. and your menu though like I lived in Manhattan too and Every time I come in here, now I see this coffee roaster. And you always have new offerings. Like, you're always keeping things... Fresh, and yeah. every time I come in, I'm like trying new foods and new baked goods and all that. Like, I guess, what kind of factors go into that decision making? Because even coming from Manhattan, like some of these things I've never even seen or tried before. I'm like, it's amazing that it's here, you know?
2: Yeah, I, I've always, uh, well, I get bored, you know. <laughs> and I have to eat. I feel like I'm standing here looking at the same croissants. We have to mix the croissants up a little mm-hmm. bit, um, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm always. I've always loved reading, you know, magazines or yeah. popular culture or I had always when I was looking for different businesses, one thing I did was go to, you know, I had traveled a little bit, I was able to travel um and see what was going on in other countries. And I go, you know what? This is great. This place has a, a great this or that. Or just, I always loved watching the Food Network, and they would travel around the country, and they go, well, in Wisconsin, they eat this, this fried cheese. And you're like, well, that's a genius idea. Mm-hmm. Like, Why can't we take that and bring it here, or change it a little bit so that it's not so foreign yes. to the consumer here in New York, or it just suits our taste a little bit better. So mm-hmm. we, o- I'm always looking for different things from other countries. And and luckily, we have a great crowd of people that are willing to try almost anything, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but I also like, I love, you know, it keeps it interesting when you're changing things up. If it's food-wise, definitely coffee-wise. Now that we have a coffee roaster here uh, and we're getting, I've always liked trying different beans and you know, when, when when I was working in an office, you had coffee and coffee was coffee, mm-hmm. right? Now that I'm on this side of the of the aisle um, in the business. you can. I'm starting to notice the different beans with different tastes yep. and how you can change the taste. You can blend the beans or just, you know, some – we have a uh, a bean that we just got in. We are actually um, – and we can go into this more. I think in the Bronx we're the only ones that are farm to cup. So we have partners okay. uh, who we partner with on the roasting side who own farms in Columbia. Uh, so they go down. Um, our partner goes down and buys – well, he gets the, the beans from his farm and buys from the farms around him and brings it straight here to Clipper Coffee. That um, is. and that's, so we're getting a, a, an outrageously fresh cup of coffee. We're also getting beans that you really can't find in a lot of other places. And that's just bringing out all different types of flavors. And I love it. You know, one of the fun things we do and, uh, is we have all the coffee, different coffee equipment yeah. in the back here, and there's a, a ton of different ways to make coffee. So mm-hmm. we'll grab a bean or whatever. We'll grab different beans and we'll try it at a French press or we'll try this. And and we'll have a whole bunch of people standing around, you know, and like sipping different coffees. And some That's of these amazing. guys, it's fun that, yeah. you know, they've never tasted a certain bean from a certain region. We just, um, we roasted this one dark, um, the Huila bean. I'm probably saying it wrong. It's a Colombian bean. But it, it came out with such a flavor. And I got I'm not going to lie. When I first roasted it, it – Stunk up the whole coffee shop, and I go, I don't like the smell. It smelled (laughs) terrible, and another one of the girls who works for me was like, this smells awful. And then one of the guys who works here was like, this smells fantastic.
0: Oh my! So it's all you know, different.
2: And he said, and then we we, I go, what do you think it smells like? And he goes, it smells like a bourbon or a whiskey, and it has those notes in it, and. I was like, well, this was just a am- I had never tasted something like that, and the way we roasted it dark like that—it just brought out all of those. And now it's like, and as so, you had that bourbon whiskey flavor in the beginning, and as the time went on, it—it, it, I feel it changed more to like a, like a, like a baker's chocolate or like yeah. a bittersweet chocolate yep. um, as it aged over time. And and that's also fascinating that you see ch- um, coffee taste change as we have the beans age a little bit. So it's just all fun, like and. And you got to mix it up. I always liked the... Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, same thing from Wall Street. Maybe that's from the, my Wall Street days where I really researched companies in, uh, in all industries. Um, yeah. So you're a uh, jack-of-all-trades, a master of none. Um, and I just loved learning about you know retail companies or tech companies or healthcare mm-hmm. companies and this is kind of the same thing like yeah. we got to keep it fresh we got to keep it moving and i think it keeps the customer on their toes too so customers yeah. who really had only had maybe a starbucks or a dunkin donuts experience now they're coming in and they're trying a a bean from ethiopia yeah um which is Lightly roasted, floral, bright, mm-hmm. a lot, very bright, a lot of floral notes, and it's something they've never had before. And and it's fun watching people react to it and see if they like it or not. And sometimes they don't, but mm-hmm. sometimes they do. Sometimes it's a little too out there for them. So and it's fun that you can just get that from a, just a, yeah. a a bean yeah as well
1: farm to cup. I. Have never heard that no, expression <laughs> before, but I'm not sure
2: if it is. We're going to I trademark it. I can taste it.
1: the difference. Oh, like you. you really can. It's amazing. That's thank so cool. you. Yeah,
2: no, th- and that just started recently when we got the roaster. Um, we got the roaster from Bellwether. Mm-hmm. coffee. It's an electric, it's a hundred percent electric roaster. Um, so we're saving a lot of trees out there. I think that's kind of there. It's very much more environmentally friendly. Mm-hmm. It's not giving off exhausts, uh, as well. So that's, uh, so I was excited to bring that in. And we try to have that across the, the, coffee shop mm-hmm. much more environmentally friendly we try to do that wherever we can we have compostable cups we have compostable straws we have compostable uh, baristas are compostable everything is compostable <laughs> right we try everything so um as environmentally friendly as we can be and um so this roaster kind of fit that profile and we were able to team up with uh wellborn coffee which is an online brand mm-hmm. uh that uh, these two guys had started Aziz and, and and Cody uh and from them we it just opened up more access to. Beans and things they were doing—they were—they're—they're they're doing a lot with very high-end beans. Uh, so having access to those and those different tastes was
1: very mm-hmm. exciting. That's so. amazing. So. What is your favorite type of coffee or bean? I have to ask. So this—I is so I guess I'm kind of like I am—I I
2: like a—it's not a basic bean because it's a great bean. Colombia makes a fantastic bean. Mm. I really like Guatemala because it's—you get—it's um, that nutty, caramel, low acid type it's very drinkable and it's it's just a good cup of coffee yeah. all the time. I, and now what's coming very popular is like Ethiopian coffees. Yes. Um, I feel like
1: I see that everywhere. That's always. kind
2: of the rage now. Um, and I guess it was the rage because it was the first first coffee, mm-hmm. and now it's back. So um, and it should be and it's great coffee. Um, it's lightly roasted and like I said before, those those are more high acid. So there's a lot of brightness to them. There's a lot of floral notes mm-hmm. in them, and I like it every now and then. But what I notice is I'm a slow coffee drinker, yeah. and I feel like a Guatemala bean that you know can kind of last through anything um, yeah and it's just it's you get some nice caramel flavors in there some nice chocolate yeah. flavors if you roast a little bit more mm-hmm. as well and uh, that's what I like but but people like all different things and yeah. that, I guess that's what makes the world go round right yeah. there's a little bit of it and that's why we have to keep changing up the beans yeah. I, I had a customer today that said I love uh, Sumatra Indonesian coffees and I'm like well we haven't hit there yet but maybe we'll go you're soon you're making your way around and we'll the make world. our way around the world yep. wherever we can and that's fun too it's fun to have i mean we have beans here from a lot from colombia with yep. because of our partners that are our, our uh, farm to cup idea but we have uh guatemala here we have ethiopian we have mm-hmm. a lot of brazilian beans as well so we're able to in mexico yeah. we have a we have a decaf that was farmed in brazil and then decaffeinated under a waterfall in mexico so i i don't know if that's like a, oh
1: my gosh Sounds accessible. amazing. It just sounds like fun, you <laughs> yeah. know. It's like, all right, that, we'll try try, I'll things. try it. Yeah.
2: yeah, always fun, and it's and you never know what you're gonna like, yeah. and you know, so it's it's fun to yeah. to jump in and try different beans.
1: That's guess, awesome, right? So. Do you see yourself ever opening up additional businesses in the future?
2: Yes, we are actually doing one right now. <laughs> so, um, and and more in coffee. Obviously, yeah. we're going to continue with the roasting business. We're opening up. Um, we are the Bronx Roasting Company, so that is a brand that's coming
0: uh,
2: pretty soon. So hopefully, we'll we'll get that out there. Um, beyond Clipper Coffee, so I'm uh, and I think Clipper Coffee works here on City Island because mm-hmm. of the nautical feel of the island, yep. and and we kind of like fashion this to be kind of nautical chic mm-hmm. or shipster. Yeah, as I've learned, that's shipster. a new that's a new thing.
0: Thank um
2: and I'm like to think we're like on the cusp of shipsterness. Yeah, uh, so we try that. Um, but it, I think the Bronx Roasting Company uh, works in the Bronx, but it also works outside of the Bronx. Yeah. Um, I think everyone recognizes the Bronx as a really cool place, and we could uh, send that coffee everywhere. So, yeah. and and I like the idea of you know Bronx-made coffee made in the Bronx by the Bronx, yep. um, which can be exciting. So, so we're going to continue to expand our coffee business. But right now, we're also getting in because the opportunity opened where a store here on City Island opened mm-hmm. up. So we are opening a movie theater. Uh, wow. so Cinema on the Sound opens in a few weeks
1: That's very amazing. exciting, just
2: a few doors down and I think that's a great collaboration with Coffee as well, Yeah, since I, I'm both businesses, but um, yeah, we have uh, Jerry Landy who works here, is also a director of films uh, different films, and he is going to be the creative director of Cinema on the Sound putting up a schedule of movies uh, and that came about because the space came open, but also the idea that There's really, you know, I looked at different films and I was uh, I looked at like the Film Forum and they had a movie playing that was um, by a Bronx director about growing up in the Bronx. And I said, well, well, that's great that it's playing down in the village, but why isn't it playing here in the Bronx? Mm -hmm. Why can't we bring some of those movies here? Uh, And there wasn't, to my knowledge, any place to play those movies. Um, So I'm hoping to open, you know, that we can have a lot of Bronx-based artists and filmmakers showcase their movies here. Uh, on topics of of New York City, but the Bronx, uh, and expand beyond there as well. And a lot of independent films uh, we can bring in, uh, and and show a lot of older films too. Yeah. So uh, that are out there that people are still interested that yeah. are interested in. And and this is just another way to get people out, get people yep. interacting, have fun together, uh, and just get people back together again yeah. after everything.
1: That's so, so exciting! Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, my last question is. Do you have advice um for those who may be looking to branch out and make a lifestyle change and start their own business, and what would what advice would you give yourself however many years ago when you decided you wanted to make a change but weren't sure how to take that first step?
2: Oh um oh, that's hard um, <laughs> well no, definitely like um if people are like I said before, you only get what I realized quickly is you get one shot at all of this mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. so you got to do something you enjoy. When if you're unhappy at work, figure it out and do something that you're gonna love going to. Is that they say if you if you love your job, it's never really work, right? Um, and I love this, and it's fun, and I I love getting up. It's hard, there's no doubt about that. But I love coming here every day, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else mm-hmm. as well. And when I'm away from here, uh, there's something missing. I want to be back. Mm -hmm. I always want to be here. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to be sleeping at home. I want to be here making coffee. Um, so I think that, and it's, um, so definitely go for what you love, but research it first, be realistic about what your goals are, but really plan it out. Um, and have that plan because it is hard and you're going to fail a lot and you're going to get bumped around a lot, but stick to your vision if you've done the work and thought about it um there's going to be a lot of people that are going to tell you and people here said you I don't give you 3 months and we've been here almost 5 years now so wow. um we had a lot of naysayers going on and you're going to have that cuz i you know there's i think a natural jealousy of people if you're doing what you love and you're passionate about
1: it
0: yeah
2: um but That can come through and you just have to kind of stick to your, stick to your, I'm not guns, that's terrible, but, but stick to your roots and where you're going and, and go for it. And you just have to go for it at some point, but plan it, plan it out, be smart about it, but go for it. Yeah. And be realistic, (laughs) but yeah, you have to, you just have to, you know, do something you're going to love in life. Like, don't be sad. Like this is about being happy, just be happy and interact, again, more from interacting with people and that just warms your heart to be a part of someone's life and to interact with them on a regular basis and and help them in some way or they help you and just being humans together i guess and that's just fun i don't know it's just great stuff it is fun yeah better than sitting behind a desk yes Uh, (laughs) i guess
1: (laughs) well thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me oh thanks i really enjoyed the conversation i will never drink anything else aside from farm to cup coffee again (laughs) yes we have to trademark
2: that (laughs) thank you very
1: much thank you peter Appreciate
0: it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bronx Attorney Broadcast. Please like, review, and subscribe so we can help the channel continue to grow. And if you're interested in connecting with any of the guests, please let me know, and I'd be happy to make the introduction.